Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk ESG, a podcast series by Linklaters. My name is Dalian Amari and I'm a counsel in our Middle East capital markets practice. With COP27 in Egypt and COP28 scheduled to take place in the UAE next year, we're taking the opportunity to speak to a range of industry experts about the opportunities and challenges presented by the changing ESG landscape in the region. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Sean Johnson, the General Counsel at Vita Group, a sustainability and digitalization pioneer in the region. Vita Group began its journey as a waste management company and has since evolved into an integrated environmental management holding company with verticals in renewable energy, green mobility, environmental services, transport, education, and technology. In this episode, Sean speaks to us about the waste generation crisis in the region, the role of technology in driving sustainability, and what a circular economy looks like. Sean, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's fantastic to have you on our podcast. Thank you, Dahlia. It's a pleasure to uh, participate in the Linklater series on ESG as well. Thanks so much. So Sean, one area I wanted to focus on and one where I think it makes sense to start, given that's where Vita started its own journey, is waste management. We know that waste generation in the GCC is among the highest worldwide. So for example, today, GCC countries recycle, reuse, or recover around only 10% of plastic and metal. Vita's vision is obviously to achieve zero waste, and you've managed already to achieve the highest waste diversion rates in the Middle East, in Sharjah and Medina. Now you're developing the region's first waste to energy facility. So although waste generation clearly presents significant challenges, it also represents a significant opportunity. And I wanted to hear from you about that opportunity and what in your opinion are some of the key steps and initiatives that could help mitigate or solve this waste generation issue in the GCC. Um, you very helpfully pointed out the Sharjah Waste to Energy uh, plant, which we inaugurated uh, earlier this year. And certainly that is, uh, for us as a, as a company, making sure that the diversion rates to landfill are coming down was certainly a priority. And, you know, we're very pleased to say that Sharjah in 2023 will be the first emirate that has zero waste to landfill. And that's a co- as a consequence of um, this new facility, uh, the waste to energy facility. So I, I think to more to your question, um, there is a lot of opportunity uh, around the waste management piece, the recycling piece as well. I, I think, you know, one of the reasons why we were pioneers is because it wasn't readily done in years gone by. And of course, you know, this is on everybody's agenda these days uh, as a corporate. But what I am noticing and what I'm seeing and also what I think for me is is really heartening to see is that through beer education, we're trying to educate uh, the other generations that are coming after us because it really boils down to, you know, how do we manage um our day-to-day lives by having uh, waste management as a as a priority, and I think you know just something as simple as working in an office and recycling, knowing you know where to put your your waste after lunch. It, it's simple things like that. But then also when you move into the corporate sphere, 
we're starting to, as businesses, you know, we're going to other companies and saying, you know, we can take your waste from you. Then what we will do is you know, we will separate them. If it's industrial, if it's electronic, uh, or if it's organic, uh, and then we will, you know, we will either recycle um, or we will turn it into energy. And I think, you know, there's an education piece as well around some of the corporates in terms of their um, products that they produce, which, you know, they they no longer need and then they dispose of. So, I mean, I hopefully that's uh, giving you some sort of insight into the opportunities and, and also the, the change around the, the approach to waste in the region. That is very insightful. Thank you. And I fully agree on the education aspect. There needs to be a readiness to change and adapt, both at the individual and the corporate level, as you say. It's often said that the sustainability agenda needs to be the CEO's agenda because of its breadth of impact. One aspect that I thought was very interesting was the role that technology plays in all of this. BS two pillars are sustainability and digitalization. And I recall in our very first conversation, you mentioning that a part of sustainable solutions is having digitalized operations. How has B a leverage tech to facilitate, enhance, and accelerate sustainability? And could you give us an example of one such innovation? Yeah, thank you, uh, Dahlia. Um, to answer directly on point, one of our business verticals is called Relife. That's R-E dot L-I-F-E. And Relife is a, it falls within the um, be a digital space of, of, of the group. And it essentially is an electronic platform for commercial and industrial users as well as, well as um, consumers. But what it does is it enables the growth of a sector which is trading in um, commodities such, we call it a commodity, which is waste. And so a lot of the industrial um, sector, they can actually, if they utilize real life, they can basically say, this is the products that we don't need, say if it's manufacturing, what is left over. And then they will actually be, we through Relife and through our digitalization of this platform, they can actually find a buyer for some of the, the materials that are no longer required, which they would consider waste. And some of that can be reused, some of that can be recycled. Um, you know, we can certainly turn some of that into uh, into energy, but I think what this does is it brings buyers and sellers together, or it creates a new economy for the the waste sector in the industrial space. And Real Life also has a consumer um, division to it as well, whereby you know individual uh, individuals, where if for example you've got furniture that you don't want, um, you can essentially just use the platform and you will find seller for it or you'll find, uh, sorry, a buyer for it or you'll find someone to come and take it and then reuse it or, or, or turn it into something different. And I think, you know, that is a an example of technology actually pulling together different parts of the economy and bringing, if you like, a, a new commoditized sector, which you, you never would have thought of before. And we like to think of real life as the Uber of the waste management uh, sector. That's so interesting. I think particularly interesting is this whole idea of creating new industries. One of our other speakers on the series was talking about 
how the global net zero transition agenda presents one of the greatest commercial opportunities of our time and that it will trigger this massive capital reallocation across sectors and countries and that it will create new products, industries and value chains. I love this idea of a virtual mobile marketplace for you know, business to business buying and selling of um, recovered commodities. It really does sound like technology is the key to unlocking the value in a regenerative recycling economy. And obviously that's something the UAE is very focused on and in which the BIA group is uh, taking a lead role. So what does a circular economy look like to BIA? And what are some of the key initiatives that BIA is working on to achieve this? Thanks, Dalia. I think the circular economy for the beer group means multiple uses, uh, whereas in the past you might look at something and think it has one use, one purpose, one function. And with circular economy, we try to look at things from the perspective of multiple uses, as I just said. So to give you an example, I mean, we're talking about waste. So let's start with, you know, waste collection. And that's one aspect of the beer group, uh, beer Tandif. The waste is then transferred uh, to facilities and that comes um, under beer recycling where they will start to separate the waste, the industrial, commercial, they'll uh, segregate um, the plastics and what have you. Um, then it will move to beer energy where these, we've just mentioned the Sharjah waste to energy facility, but you know the output of that will be then the hydrogen, which we then hope to be able to store in batteries, which will be used in vehicles. And so I think when I look at um, a circular economy, we sort of started with one aspect, which is waste, which is an everyday consumption uh, for individuals as well as industry. And I've sort of walked through the different types of uses and how we can actually turn that into something constructive and something positive for the community. Once again, Sean, that's so interesting. I also like the more constructive way of thinking about this, how the circular economy model really creates opportunities and contributes to economic diversification. I wanted to put to you a final question that we're asking everyone on this podcast series. I read this article in The Economist and the heading was, all talk, no trousers. And it was speaking to the contradictions of ESG and how sometimes there are more words than deeds. And with all that negativity in the press, what gives you hope? It's a good question. Uh, what gives me hope is that, uh, and I will use the beer education example again, but you know, when I see what that particular part of our business is doing, I mean, that's educating. And we're educating the younger generation they will, as they grow and, you know, they mature and they move into their own jobs um, and they become adults, parents, what have you, they will already have ingrained in them the need for sustainable solutions. They will be already accomplished in the digital side of things because it's, it's already a part of our lives. You can just imagine what it will be like for them. And so I feel it's not just a matter of doing certain things as an industry and as a business, it's about educating and educating becomes the future proofing. Um, so that gives me hope for sure. Uh, and I do feel that some companies, um, you know, they do have shareholders, boards, 
and so forth. And, you know, it may not be a priority for them, but I think it's evolving. This space is evolving. ESG, you know, maybe five years ago and certainly 10 years ago, you wouldn't really find this on a board's agenda. And quite frankly, now we see these types of issues coming up at board level on a regular basis. So, you know, I, I would say companies themselves, if they ignore it, they're ignoring it at their own peril. And we also see regulatory uh, systems in place. We see certain jurisdictions um, utilizing things like fines, penalties, you know, um, even at director level, if certain decisions that don't actually help the global economy it, 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 from a sustainability perspective, if they don't implement certain decisions, you know, the company could get fined. So, I mean, there's a lot of levers in play at the moment. Uh, in, and I don't think it's just one single thing. I do think collectively, once we change minds, once we educate um, and the hearts change along with that, then I think, you know, for me, that's what gives me hope that we're moving in the right direction. Thank you so much, Sean. I fully agree with all of that. You do sense that some companies are still a little bit in a sort of startup mode when it comes to ESG strategy and implementation, but it's definitely moving in the right direction. And as you say, education is a key part of that. So again, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. This conversation has really given me hope for the future, and I really look forward to continuing it. Thank you, Dala. It's been a pleasure to be able to participate in this series. And I do think it's uh, it's one of those topics that is only just going to grow. So thank you for the opportunity to explain what we do uh, as the beer group. And uh, I look forward to uh, listening to the rest of the podcast series. Thank you so much, Sean. And thanks to our listeners for joining too. The reason we wanted to do this podcast series is to look at the ESG landscape in the Middle East from different and unique perspectives. It has been really interesting to hear Sean talk about the challenges and opportunities in the drive towards net zero. It's given us much to consider. Mm -hmm.